You're listening to the preaching ministry of First Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina. By God's grace and for His glory, we're striving to be a community of disciples who are growing in trust, growing in love, and growing disciples. We pray you'll be encouraged to deeply love and trust our Savior Jesus Christ through this ministry. We hope you enjoy the sermon. My name is Chris Griffin, and it is a joy to open God's Word with you this morning. If you would, uh, turn your Bible to 1 John 2. If you uh, don't have a Bible today, we have those pew Bibles in your pew, and uh, it is on the, our text today is on page 1219. 1219. Uh, we're, we're in First John this morning, and it's a, I, I don't know about you, but First John is, is one of my, may be my favorite book of the Bible. It, it just might be my favorite book of the Bible. Um, there's so much to love in First John. It's, um, he says in verse 4 of chapter 1 that he's writing these things to you, to, to them, his listeners, that our joy may be complete. And the book of 1 John is a book that helps our joy be complete. And so it's, it's a delight to be in 1 John today. Uh, one other big thing in 1 John, um, big theme in the book, many themes, but one other big theme is um, in chapter 5, I believe it's verse 13, he says, I've written these things to you that you might know that you have eternal life. And so he's written many reasons he writes the book, but at least two great reasons are one, that our joy would be complete. And then two, um, that we would know that we have eternal life. And so as we come to our text today um, in First John 2, it is nice to have those two things in our minds as we come to this text. Um, but right before we do that, um, are you familiar with the phrase, I want to have it all? Probably most of us have heard it. Maybe some of us have said it. We've, we've probably all thought it, maybe. Maybe not you, but me, I've thought it. I'd like to have it all. And a lot of times what we mean by that is, um, I'd like the perfect work-life balance. I go to work, I'm only here as much as I want to be, I go home, I'm with the family, I do all the things I want to do, and my life is perfect. I'm living out the American dream, I'm having everything I want. Our text today is going to tell us that we can't have it all, and you know, most of us, we don't like negativity, we don't like to be told no, but but this is good. This is good news in this sense that we cannot have it all. Because our text is going to be 1 John two fifteen through 17. And that, this text, uh, the Apostle John is going to tell us not to love the world. And, and what he is saying, at least in part, is that you cannot have the Lord and love God and also love the world. You cannot have it all. You cannot have the world and also have the Lord. And so this is good news for us. It, um, our flesh 
wants to have the world. Our flesh wants to love the world. But, but what Jesus has for us, what we've been singing about today, what Jesus has for us is better. Um, I, I got to pick the songs with Pastor Tommy um, for this service, and I picked the songs before I picked the text. But as we were singing today, I was just thinking, everyone who preaches should get to pick the songs, because I love these songs, and they all go really well with what we're looking at today. Jesus has defeated every sin. His mercy is more, and he is the real joy giver. And so all of those songs are just going right along with what the Bible says in 1 John 2. And Maybe you're thinking, why haven't we read it yet? We're going to right now. We're going to do it. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. The apostle said, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's good news. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for this word. And Lord, today we are dependent upon you completely to make it clear to us, Lord, what you want us to see in this passage today. And Lord, we are dependent upon you to open our eyes and ears to hear and hearts to receive this word. And Lord, we pray that we would. Lord, for me and every person in here, Lord, that we would receive your word today and we would be changed by it forever. That's what we want, Lord. That's why we're here, Lord, because we want to be changed by you, and we want to worship you together. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So our text today, the main point, you don't need to have gone to seminary to know what the main point of it is. He, he makes it real clear for us, doesn't he? Do not love the world. Uh, you don't need an advanced degree. You don't have to have paid attention in English class in high school do not love the world is pretty simple. That, that's the only command in this little paragraph of our text. He says, do not love the world. Uh, I'll just say, uh, in the context of this chapter, he's just been talking to, to young men, to fathers, to, to, to children in the faith. And he's saying, all these things you've done, you, you've overcome the evil one. You, you've done all these other great things. And then he comes to this passage and says, you've done all these things. You've been, in a sense, you've been so successful in your Christian life, we might say. You've done so much for the Lord. You've overcome the evil one. And then he says, praise the Lord for all of that. But do not love the world. And that is a real a real call to each and every one of us because... As, we, as we're in this building, as we're in this room, and um, we're not looking at our phones, we're not watching TV, we're not doing all the other things that we might do during the week, um, it, it feels easy within these four walls to not love the world. But then, but then 
Sunday or service ends and we walk out and there are all these things in this world that are saying to you and to me, love me. Would you please love me? And, and they're coming to us in ways that appeal to our flesh, appeal to what we want, appeal to what our culture says we should have. And it is tempting to love the world. Uh, but I, I draw your attention to the way he states it in verse 15. He says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. He gives them this command. And, and he, he comes at them, you might say, in a gentle way. He doesn't assume that they already have. But he, he's saying, he doesn't come and saying, you're all loving the world so much. But he comes and calls them to not love the world. And as we study the book of 1 John, we see that there are those people who are in Christ, who are living for Christ and being obedient to him. And by God's grace and by his power, they're not loving the world. Not to say, as Galatians says, that we don't all stumble in many ways. Uh, not to say that First John says in chapter 1 that if we say we have no sin, then we're a liar and the truth is not in us. And so it's not to say that we don't sin or struggle with sin, but it's that God has come and changed our desires and so it's possible. Christ has defeated every sin so that we can not love the world. The, the, the first and one of the best things about this passage is that it is possible for you and me as followers of Jesus to not love the world. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I have felt the pull of the, Lord, the world. There have been times in my life where I have not just felt the pull, but I have latched on to the world and I have loved it. And I have felt the destructive power of that in my life. But there is good news, brother and sister, in this word. That we do not have to love the world. We do not have to do that. Everything in our culture is saying, love me, love the world, love this evil system, love the evil that's here. But we don't have to. In fact, we're commanded not to in this passage. To not love the world. So I'll say here, I've got three points today. Um, some people like to take notes and they like to know what your points are. And, and I'm going to say them right now. They, they may not be clear at any other moment, but at this moment, you will know what they are, um, what they're meant to be. First, um, they're all going to follow this theme. Do not love the world because loving the world prevents you from loving God. Mutually exclusive. Do not love the world because loving the world prevents you from loving God. Number two, do not love the world because the world's gifts are not from God. That may sound a little odd. We'll talk about it. It hopefully won't sound more odd when we're done. But do not love the world because its gifts are not from God. And then number three, um, do not love the world because it's passing away. It is passing away. Um, so those are our points that, that we're going to walk through today. Um, but first, let's consider to, why we should not love the world, because the world is 
would prevent us, loving the world would prevent us from loving God. And we see that in our text. Uh, Call attention to that in verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Um, Me and Tommy talked about this text a little bit this week, and he said, what what do you think he means there? Do you think he means when he says the love of the Father is not in him? Do you you think he means that, that God is not loving him? Or do you think he means that he's not loving God? Which is it? Now, you know, you can think, well, kind of both, isn't it? But but what does he mean when he says that? What did he mean? And I think what he means is that if you or I love the world, then we cannot at the same time love God. It's, it's not possible for us to do both. And again, we, we want to have it all. In our flesh, we'd like to have it all. We, we, as, as Bruno was talking about, we, we say we believe. But then do we live out what we believe? Oh, I love Jesus. If you ask us the questions, we know the right answers. We love Jesus. But what I'm doing on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every other day of the week, does that bear out that I love him and, and this text is telling us that if we love the world, we cannot love him. And, and what I, one thing I really like about this text is how simple John's language is. He doesn't use a lot of big words. He, he, he doesn't ramble on. It, it's, it's like he thinks that if you and I are Christians... That the reasons he is putting forth are so serious and should be so weighty for us that it is enough for us to know that if we love the world, we can't love God. And that that should be enough for us that we say, well, then I don't want to love the world. If If this is going to keep me from Jesus, then I don't want it. And 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 don't you and I both know that That should be true. Sometimes, in my heart, it's not true. Sometimes, I say yes to sin and and say no to the Lord. But this should be enough for me. And and by God's grace, I believe for all of us, as we're growing in grace, it is becoming enough for us to say that if this loving the world keeps me from Jesus, I don't want it. You can have it. I don't want it. I want Jesus, and I want to love him and please him. And, and as we think about the, the scriptures, there are, there are other scriptures that, that bear on this. Jesus said in, in Matthew that um, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll follow the one and and despise the other. And he says that no man can serve God and wealth. And so Jesus said something very similar to this. You can't have it both ways. Either you love me or you love your possessions. You can't love us both. We can only have one God, one Lord. We can't have multiple. God doesn't believe in... um, multiple gods. He believes in only one. 
So, so as we come to this text, as we consider this text, there's, there are other texts that also speak to this as well. We, we think of that passage in Matthew where, where God says uh, you, you can only have one God, you can't have two. Um, but, but as we think about loving the world, um, how, how do we think about that? What, how, what does that mean to love the world? And, and I, I'd say there's some um, things about that that we would think of is that one, um, loving the world means giving yourself to the world. It means giving your allegiance to the Lord. It means giving yourself to the Lord. You know, in our culture, we use the term love all the time. I thought about this, and I think about how many things I love. I don't know about you, but I love pancakes. I love waffles. I love a good nap. I love my wife. I love my sons. I love Jesus. I love you, the church. But I also love waffles and, and pancakes and, and good naps. And, you, you know, some of these things are weightier, and, and some of these things are not weightier. But we use the term love sometimes flippantly in um, our culture. And, and some people have, have said to me, you say, I don't love that. And, and I do say that. I, I, some, there sometimes I think, I don't love that. And what I mean by that is, I really don't like that. But, but in this text, he's calling us to not love the world. And so he's calling us to think about what we mean when we say love. And again, often when we say love, or when we choose to love the world, we mean we're choosing to give our allegiance and ourselves and our affections to the world. And, and that's one reason why you and I cannot love the world and love God. Because it, it's just like in a marriage. Um, when you get married, you say, I'm going to be faithful to you and forsake all others. No spouse is going to say, well, I think you're keeping that while you're also um, downloading dating apps on your phone or doing those sorts of things. You are not being faithful to me. You're not loving me above all others. And in the same way, loving the world is going against the Lord in the same way as download a dating app for a married person. But what does loving the world not mean? I, I just say a couple things, or three things, the wor- loving the world does not mean, or the command to not love the world means, I'm sorry. Um, John MacArthur gave me two of these, and I think they're both helpful. He said, first, loving the, the command to not love the world does not mean that we're not to love creation. Um, you don't need, after hearing this passage, need to go outside and say, rocks and trees, I hate you now because I love the Lord. That's not what this passage is saying. We can still love creation. This passage also doesn't mean that you should not love people. You, you know, there, there are... I, I grew up in a religious context where um, it was very easy to say, we are right and everybody who thinks the way we are, you're right too. But if you don't think the way we are, do, and if you're not like we are, then you're wrong. But it didn't stop there. It went beyond that to the people who are not like us, we almost hate you. We almost hate you. We despise you. We think so little of you because you don't have what we have. and you don't. We very much became Pharisees, um, just like in the New Testament. But when the Bible calls us to not love the world, it doesn't mean that we stop loving those people 
who are in the world still in sin. We still love them. And there are numerous texts in Matthew, Jesus says, to love your enemies. There are numerous texts that call us, John three sixteen. God loves the world, and we are to do likewise. We are to love those people in the world who need Christ. And so when it says, do not love the world, it doesn't mean don't love creation. It doesn't mean don't love people. And also, again, from my upbringing, my context, there was a lot of Phariseeism, a lot of list of do's and don'ts. We had it in our head, even if we didn't write it down, but we all knew what we were supposed to do. We all knew what we weren't supposed to do. And if you violated this list, then we all talked about you on the way home from church. So-and-so is doing such-and-such, and we're not happy about it. We are not happy. We are not pleased um, with them and what they've done. But that religion created a list of do's and don'ts. And that's how you showed that you didn't love the world. But, I'll just say Colossians 2 um, says that this kind of do and don't, touch not, handle not, taste not kind of religion, it, it looks good, it feels good sometimes, but he says it's no profit towards righteousness. It's no profit towards pleasing the Lord. And so when he says, do not love the world, he doesn't mean get a list of do's and don'ts. He doesn't mean a man-made list of do's and don'ts. He doesn't mean um, don't love creation and don't love people. But he does mean to not love this world, this wicked world, and all the things that it is offering us that are against the Lord. And, and he's going to go more into that as we go into it. But again... As we look at verse 15 and we think about this love, um, that if we love the world, we, we cannot love the Father. One other thing I'll say about that is one reason that loving the world is such a horrible thing for you and I to do as Christians is because it automatically means that we break the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment, as many of you know, is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind. And if we are loving the world, we are breaking the greatest commandment. We are failing to love the Lord our God. And so we must not love the world because if we do love the world, we cannot love the Father. Well, let's continue. Um, In verse 16, he says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And and so we're not to love the world because its gifts are not from the Father. Um, And and the reason I use that word is because in verse 16, when he talks about the all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, he says that these things are not from the Father. These things are not being given to you from God. And so when you see boastful pride in your heart, when you see yourself lusting after food or sex or other things in this world, you know that that's not a gift from the Father. Now, it is true, right, that the Father has given us good gifts. He's, he's given us food. He's given us Sex. He's given us all these other things in our world that are good. 
But when we misuse those things, when we take them out of their proper context, when we abuse those things, we are not partaking in a gift from God, but in a gift from the world. And I think it's so helpful what we have seen today as we've saying that these things will not satisfy, but he will. Uh, as we think about these things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, uh, both of those are clearly to do with things that we're desiring that we don't have. We're lusting after something that we don't have, or we're lusting for more of something than what we should have. Um, lust of the flesh seems to deal with um, things like gluttony, things like sex, things like other things that we're lusting after things um, related to the flesh. And lust of the eyes seems to deal with, or lust of the eyes seems to deal with lusting for things that we don't have that don't relate to that. And other, maybe a job, maybe other things in life that we're lusting after that aren't food or aren't sex or aren't those kinds of fleshly items. And, and then the boastful pride of life. You know, as I think about this, um, I, I thought of multiple examples of the boastful pride of life. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know if it's true for you, but it, it's easier for me to think about the boastful pride of life in other people. I don't know about you, but for me, it's easier for me to be critical of other people than myself. Now, it is true that if you follow me around this week, that you might be able to see the boastful pride of life in me. God forbid it, but, but you may see it. You know, we all stumble in many ways. But I, I could immediately think of situations where people boasted in what they had accumulated. They boasted in their wealth. Or people boasted in their accomplishments. This week, me and Tommy were with someone, and they were boasting in all the things that they had done in the church. They had boasted in all their accomplishments in the church, in their resume of all they had done. And of course, they don't see it as the boastful pride of life. And I typically don't see it when I'm being boastful or prideful. You see it, but I don't see it in myself when I'm doing it. But it was so clear in those moments that that person was delighting in what they had done and what they had accomplished instead of delighting in the Lord and what he had done for them. And their song, if they sang a song, wasn't about the Lord and him being the true joy giver and longing for him, but their song was about themselves and what they had accomplished and again, we, we see this in others and we think it's ugly, but then we do it ourselves and we excuse it and, and look over it and hope you don't see it. it. But we should not love the world because the gifts that it wants to give us are not from the world or from the Lord. And, and so we, we consider that these, these lusts, these things that are against God, against him, and we think about those things, and I'll say one thing. I was listening to something by John Piper this week that was really helpful. He said, okay, but we have desires for marriage. Many of us, if we're not married, I am married, so I have desired marriage, and it is there. But for many of us who aren't married, we desire marriage. We desire intimacy. We desire food. We desire all these things. And many of these are God-given desires. What do we do with these desires? And he said we need to submit them 
to the Word of God. These desires that we have, we need to submit to the Word of God. There, there's some helpful passages to think about with this. Um, there's the passage in 2 Corinthians 10.5 where Paul says for us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought that you have, every thought that I have, we are to take captive in obedience to Christ. Um, he says in Philippians 4.8 to think about whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are right, whatever things are pure, lovely. If there's any good report, think on these things. And, and so it begins, I think, with loving the Lord and, and then taking every thought captive to him, every desire captive to him and submitting it to the word of God and saying, I long for this. I want this. But am I longing for it more than I'm longing for Christ? Am I putting it in his place in my heart? Or am I longing for it appropriately under the word of God? And so one other thing John Piper said I thought was really helpful is that you you can come to this sermon and say, do not love the world. And don't love the things that are in the world. And you can say, well, I'm, I'm losing all that stuff. All the stuff that the world has to offer, I don't get. And that could feel like a lot of loss. But he says, I, I promise you that the Christian life, trusting Jesus, living for Jesus, is gain. So what can feel like loss is not loss. It is gain. We are gaining him. And, and Paul says in Philippians 3 that he is the worth the loss of all things that we might gain him. So, so as we consider this, the gifts that the, Lord, the world is giving us are not real gifts. They're not good gifts. They're not gifts from the Father. But lastly, um, as we consider this passage, the world is passing away. We should not love the world because it's passing away. Um, I, I was thinking about this this week that... Um, if many several years ago now, if you had heard about Bernie Madoff, and you'd heard about all the returns that he was giving his clients, and unbelievable, amazing returns, you're going to make so much money, that many people who did hear about him said, okay, let me get my money to him as quickly as possible. And so if we'd heard about him in those days, we might have given him our money. But now, we know the rest of the story. We know that the people who gave their money to Bernie Madoff lost their money. He was using it to uh, fund his lavish lifestyle, and he was giving them false reports, and he was the, one of the biggest crooks of our time. So then, had you trusted in Bernie, um, you might have had good arguments. Look at all these numbers he gave me. Look at all these friends I knew who, who said good things about him. But if we did it today, wouldn't we be foolish? There's, there's no way I could convince you how many reports I showed you, how many things I showed you, trust Bernie Madoff, and you'd say, you're the craziest person I know. Don't you know he's the biggest crook ever? Well, maybe there would be an excuse for someone to say, love the world. But when we know what the Word of God says about loving the world, there's no excuse for you or me to love the world, because it's passing away. It is dying. It is going away. I, I think of um, 
Adam and Eve in the garden when the Lord said, if you eat that fruit, you will die. And I remember growing up and thinking, well, I mean, he didn't die right away, did he? I mean, he, he still lived and had many children. But there is a sense, there's a true sense that it, his spirit, spiritually, he died in that moment. And for the rest of his life, he was passing away. And there's a sense right now that this world is passing away before us in numerous ways we see it in our culture where um, just in various ways our world is passing away. It's becoming more wicked, more ungodly, and and really more sad because it's passing away. And, And so another reason not to love the world is because it is passing away. It is falling and it is going away. But as we consider this passing away of the world um, and also its lust, uh, see the latter part of verse 17. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. So the, see that contrast there. That the one who is loving the world, it's going to pass away. And, and it, it's not just... See the the implication there. It's not just that the world's going to pass away, but if you love the world, you're going to pass away too. This is a death sentence for you too if you love the world. But the one who does the will of God, he abides forever. She abides forever. And so John has been promised, I've written these things to you that you may know Right now, you may know that you have eternal life. And this is this good news that even though the world is passing away and it's lust, the one who's doing the will of God will abide forever. And what does it mean to do the will of God? Well, um, in John, he says that it's the will of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. It, believe on Jesus Christ. So, the first way we do of the will of God is to trust in Christ, to believe in him, to give him our all, our allegiance and our love. But then, as Bruno was saying, it means to live out what he has called us to. It means to obey. Uh, in chapter 5 of First John, he says, you'll know that you're his disciple, you'll know that you're in him because his, burden, his um, commandments are not burdensome to you. Because what he has called you to, you've begun to love and delight in. And you delight to do his will. And so, he's calling us to see that the world is passing away in its lust. But if we will love him instead, if we will obey him instead, then we will live forever. Um, this week I heard um, Al, Dr. Al Mohler um, make a quote and um, make a statement, and, and the statement was something like, the, the problem with the world is not that it af- offers too much. It offers too little. And, and the problem with God is not offering too little. Sometimes we think that's why we're tempted. We think he's offering too little. He's offering infinitely more. He's offering infinitely more. So in that moment, we have that feeling. But look what I'm going to miss out on. And we don't realize that that something is nothing. It's not worthy of our time. But what God has for us is worth infinitely more. And so as we 
consider this passage. Do not love the world, brother or sister, because what God has for us is worth infinitely more. And there's infinitely more joy and peace and grace in what Christ has for us. And so, if you come here today and you don't know Christ, I, I, I call you today to come to him and trust in what Christ has done for us in the gospel. He has died for our sins. He has been raised and he calls us to trust in him and say no to the world and say yes to him. And, and brother and sister in Christ, if you have been loving the world or tempted to love the world, I, I, God's word calls us back to say, Christ has something better for us, something more for us, something that will satisfy us more than anything the world can give us. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for this word, and we think, Lord, that we need this. We need your word to go deep in our hearts, Lord. Not, Not what I have said, but what you have said. Lord, you have something for us in the gospel that is beautiful and wonderful and satisfying. And it's for every one of us to come and eat and taste and see that the Lord is good. And I ask, Lord, that we would do that again. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the First Baptist Newton Podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website at newtonfbc.org. We'll see you next time.